0: We'll take your Bibles. Let's go to Matthew chapter 6 today, starting at verse number 5, reading down through verse number 13. And as you're opening your Bibles, let me just say a couple of other words. Uh, Influences started on Thursday morning at 6 o'clock. Guys, if you didn't come, you were in the wrong place. You should have got out of bed and you should have been here. And all the guys said, Amen. I don't mean that in a, in a, in a, in a, in a way that would uh, that it probably came across, but I would love to have you here. I really would. Uh, Six o'clock Thursday morning is a great time, and um, it's, it was wonderful. We had about, I don't know, 50, 60 guys here on Thursday morning, and um, if you were not able to come, we would love for you to come on Thursday morning for that. That's an awesome thing that's happening. Um, second of all, it's great to have Kaylee's friends here. And um, uh, great to have you guys here. Kaylee, introduce your friends to us, would you? This is Emily. Emily? And this is Helena. Helena. Emily and Helena, and they are friends from Olivet Nazarene University, where they graduated with Kaylee and Josh, and they came out. This is their first opportunity to come to paradise and uh, we're so glad you're here, and uh, may the Lord bless you. Amen. Today is also move-up day for all of our kids, so um, if you haven't had a chance to go check out the new renovations, please feel free to do that and check out our new nursery that is right on this main level now. We're excited for all of our babies and our up-to-two-year-olds being in there. That's going to be awesome. Let's stand together. Let's read God's Word. Um, Matthew, Matthew chapter 5, starting at verse number 6. <clears throat> And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because they have many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts, and we, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Father, thank you for your word today. I pray that you'll speak to us in Jesus' name, amen, amen. You may be seated. One night, a father heard a young, his young daughter speaking in her bedroom. And although she, although she was uh, alone in her room, her door was cracked open. And her dad was curious about all what her daughter was saying behind the door. So he poked his head in and noticed that his daughter was kneeling at her bedside and she looked like she was in the posture of prayer. He was interested to find out what subject she was praying about. Was he praying about mom and dad? Was he praying about his sisters? Were he praying about school? What was, his, what was her prayer life all about? So he stood there and listened to her prayer. And she discovered, he discovered, that she was praying A, B, C, D, E, F, G... H I J K L O M N O P. And she went and she recited the alphabet not one time, not two times, but repeatedly. He was startled by this, so he went in and interrupted her. The curiosity got the best of him, and he asked his daughter, Honey, what are you doing? And his daughter said, I'm praying, Daddy. Well, why are you praying the alphabet? And she explained, I started my prayers, but I wasn't sure what to pray. So I, start, so I just say all the letters of the alphabet and let God put them together however he thinks best. I don't know about you, but prayer is one of those subjects that I feel like I am a novice on and an expert on all at the same time. Sometimes I don't even know what I'm praying Sometimes I don't even know how to pray. Sometimes it seems like prayer is a a tremendous blessing and a tremendous burden all at the same time. If I were to ask you, privately or even publicly today, a simple question like this, How is your prayer life going? How would you feel? Would you feel like you were on the spot? Would you feel uncomfortable answering that question? Would you feel inadequate? Would you feel like, um, well, I could be better at it? Actually, I haven't prayed much at all lately. Jesus said a lot about prayer. And we discover in his word that he actually teaches more about prayer than he does about preaching. Actually, he never gave a lesson on preaching, but he did give us a lesson on praying. Prayer is part of what it means to be a Christian. One pastor said this, how can something I'm so bad at be God's will for my life? How can something so, that I'm so bad at be something that, I, that is God's will for my life? Today, we're going to look at the Lord's Prayer. It's a great prayer. And um, in my quest to understand prayer, I've come to understand two things. And maybe you understand these same two things. But number one, I've come to understand that prayer is a complex mystery that we tend to oversimplify. I mean, just think about it. Little old me in Bakersfield, California, in the middle of a planet of a billion people, or a multi-millions of people, all praying to the same God at the same time, and God can hear us all at the same time, understand us and hear us and answer our prayers. I mean, how does God do that? How does the God of the universe take my prayers I wonder sometimes if he looks at my prayers and goes, really, Kevin? Like really? I mean, how many of you have ever asked God, God be with so-and-so, and and be with so-and-so, and and be with so-and-so, and and be with so-and-so? And your prayer life is nothing more than asking God to do something he's already doing. He's already present. He's already there. Yet we seem to sometimes take this incredible mystery of prayer and we make it, simplify it down to something that seems like we are babbling idiots. Talking to the God of the universe in a way that would dishonor him instead of honor him. Not only have I come to see that, but prayer is also um, a profoundly simple process that we can make complex. I mean, as simple as, God, I need you. God, I love you. Those are all prayers. You actually sang some prayers this morning. As you were worshiping to God, you were praying to God. God was hearing you pray. God was hearing you sing. Some of you were checked out completely. Like, when is this song going to be over? As much as others were praying and sincerely connecting to Almighty God. And so sometimes we make it so simple, and it is so simple, but in the process we make it complex. God told us, Jesus said these words, he said, actually Martin Luther said this, I love what he says here. All who call on God in true faith, earnestly from the heart will certainly be heard, will receive what they have asked and desired, although not in the hour or in, not in the measure, and the very thing which they ask, yet they will obtain something greater and more glorious than they had dared to ask." I mean, talk about complex. That God can hear our prayers, and sometimes what we ask for, He gives to us, but He gives to us differently than we asked, bigger than we asked. Over the last several months, as I've been praying about our, this series, the Lord has laid on my heart, Pastor Kevin, I want you to become more in tune with me in your prayer life. You see, I've always been a person that do, 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 do. Go, 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 go. Get it done, get it done, get it done. And I do not spend enough time in prayer, nor do I, do I develop my prayer life where I think I should be personally in my own prayer life. Sometimes I feel like my prayers are repetitious. Sometimes I feel like they're simple. Sometimes I feel like they're less than anything that I should say to God. And sometimes I don't even feel like I have the language to pray. Like what do I pray? How do I pray? And although I believe that, as everything that I read in books about prayer, I've discovered there's only one way to learn how to pray, and that is to Pray. You can't become a prayer warrior without praying. You can't know how to pray unless you pray. It's not like, it's not like you can learn, it's like you can learn to pray by reading a book. It's simply a part of communicating with Almighty God. And God gives that to us. And that's why I think when I look at the scripture, one of the things that we discovered is that the disciples who followed Jesus around in the countryside, they watched Jesus and they discovered that the Son of God, the Messiah, the one who left heaven and came down to be with us, to became fully human, what Jesus did on a regular basis was pray. He would get off on the countryside by himself and pray. He would get away from people and pray. He probably prayed with his disciples on a regular basis. And we find here in the scripture in Luke chapter 11, it says, now now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, will you teach us to pray? Would you teach us to pray? And that's kind of how I approach this whole entire series. I'm saying, Lord, would you teach me to pray better, to raise the temperature of my prayer life in such a way that I would have communion and relationship with you? My prayer is at our church, and I believe we are a praying church. We have, we have, we have. Regular prayer times, we have groups that meet together that pray together. We pray when we worship together. We pray before the service. We have prayer lines and prayer connections. We have prayer requests that go out there. But sometimes with all of those things that were going on, some of us are not participating in the corporate needs of the church in prayer. God wants us to raise the temperature of prayer not only personally in our lives, but collectively as the body of Christ. So I believe with all my heart, I want to say with the disciples, Lord, would you teach, notice it says, not me, but would you teach us to pray? Would you teach us to pray? And so here in Luke chapter 11, Jesus goes on to give the the disciples a model prayer. You know that model prayer. It's called the Lord's Prayer. It's the prayer that you probably learned as a kid. It's a prayer that has been recited. It's a prayer that sometimes we've memorized over and over, but sometimes we say it without even knowing what we're saying. It's a model prayer. It's a way for us to pray. And that same teaching that is found in the book of Luke is also found in the book of Matthew on the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus is teaching his disciples what this new kingdom, what this new movement of God is really all about. And he takes an extra amount of time to talk about prayer. You see, throughout church history, new converts and children have been discipled chiefly in three areas. Three areas that early church people were discipled, became followers of Jesus Christ. They learned the Apostles' Creed. They learn the Ten Commandments, and they learn the Lord's Prayer. You see, the prayer of Jesus that's found in Matthew and Luke is a prayer that not only teaches us how to pray, but it teaches us what we should pray and the language we should be using to pray. And it teaches us a form that will help us to guide our own personal prayer life. Books have been written on it. I mean, lots of books have been written on the Lord's Prayer. Seminary courses have been taught on just the Lord's Prayer to pastors and people that are seeking to be ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You could go to a three-day seminar just on the Lord's Prayer. I could preach through the Lord's Prayer and take one phrase and preach for the next 10 weeks on it. That's how simple it is and how profound it is all at the same time. It is a wonderful prayer that teaches us. And I would say to you, it's a dangerous prayer. Because sometimes our prayer life turns into nothing more than treating God like he's a Santa Claus. We turn God into something he's not. And we pray prayers that are not prayers that he taught us to pray. We pray prayers because we think prayer is all about us. And we turn prayer into something that it was never meant to be. And then we get discouraged because we don't see answers to our prayers. We don't see the reason why God is not moving in such a way. Lord, teach us to pray. So in this series, Dangerous Prayers, here's what I'm going to do. We're going to spend a few moments this morning in the Lord's Prayer. But then we're going to look at some scriptures prayers that are written in God's Word that I have identified as dangerous prayers, because if you read the Bible from cover to cover, you will find that this book is full of people praying. It is full of people praying. From the very beginning, all the way back to the garden, all the way through the, through the Old Testament, into the New Testament, into the Revelation, you will find prayer after prayer, after prayer, after prayer. If you really, really, really wanna increase your prayer life, pray God's Word. Take God the prayers that are written in His Word and begin to pray them yourself, begin to apply them yourself. And we're gonna look at four prayers over the next four weeks beyond the Lord's prayer that are gonna help us to take our prayer life to a whole different level. I call them dangerous prayers because they're prayers that will radically change your life. And they will radically give you language that that you will begin to see God move in such a way that you go, wow. They're dangerous because they're prayers that people don't usually pray regularly. I mean, I don't know about you, but how much do we pray just for people's health reasons? I mean, I'm good for somebody being sick and let's pray for him. I ask for you to pray for my father-in-law who's in the hospital. But how much is our prayers all about the physical, all about the monetary, all about the things of, of this world and nothing about his kingdom coming? How often do our prayers become so mundane and so repetitious that we say prayers without even thinking about what we're praying. God wants us to be thoughtful and connected in these dangerous prayers. Jesus teaches us how to pray and he also teaches us how not to pray, by the way. You'll notice in the scripture here this morning, it says when you pray, and you notice here that he says when you pray, when you pray, when you pray. Well, whenever you see something that's repetitious that Jesus says over and over again, maybe you should stop and listen to what he says. He's not saying if you pray, he's saying when you pray. In other words, here's what I've discovered. Believers and non-believers pray. People are praying all the time. Pray, 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 pray. Some people know who they're praying to and some people have no idea who they're praying to. But to be Christian, to be a follower of Jesus Christ, to be somebody who has a relationship with Almighty God, God, Jesus is saying to us, I wanna teach you some things about prayer that are really important. And the first thing I wanna say is things you shouldn't do and things you should do, okay? He says, first of all, when you pray, don't be like hypocrites. They love to pray standing in the synagogue and on the street corners seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. In other words, there's some people who want to pray so that people will say, wow, there's a godly man. There's a godly woman. Wow, they really must know God because, boy, they can pray up a storm. I remember when I was a kid, when I was just after I became a Christian, I was like 16, 17 years old, I'd go to prayer meetings and I would listen to sometimes the old saints pray and I would say to myself, I'm never going to pray out loud because those people know how to do it. I thought it was more about the the expression of how to pray than it was about the prayer itself. Jesus is saying to us, don't be a hypocrite and think that prayer is about you. He says, I tell you the truth, they have received the reward. But when you pray, what does he say? Go into your room, close the door, pray to your Father in heaven who is unseen. Does that mean we should never pray publicly? Does that mean we should never pray collectively? No, I don't think it means that at all. I'll show that to you in a second. He also says that when you pray, do not keep on battling like pagans, for they, they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need even before you ask him. Two things I want you to see here. First of all, pray for the right reasons with the right heart. That's really what Jesus is saying to us. When you pray, don't pray that others will look at you and say how wonderful you are. And don't use all these flowery words in such a way that all, you know, people say, oh, they must really know God because they can say all of the right words, and they say it for a long, long time. Pray for the right reasons with the right heart three foundational acts of Jewish piety that Jesus is addressing here in chapter six of the Sermon on the Mount. It was almsgiving, prayer, and fasting. You'll see these three portions of of Jewish piety. These were practices that the Jewish religion were doing on a regular basis. They would give to the poor, they would pray, and they would fast. And those three things were, were common in the religious temple of the day. Jesus is speaking to mainly Jewish Christians during the day. And basically, he's saying three things. He says, when you give to the needy, don't make a big deal out of it. When you, when you pray, don't, look good, don't, don't do it to look good. And when you fast, don't draw attention to yourself. In other words, these acts of prayer is not something that you should put on display to make yourself feel better about your personal faith with God or make yourself be um, better than other people in your life. God wants you to genuinely just pray from your heart for the right reasons with the right heart. Jesus not only teaches them how to pray, but Jesus also goes on to say, I want to teach you to pray like this. And the Lord's Prayer really is an opening address with six petitions. That's what it is. The opening address, our Father in heaven, and then six petitions. The first three petitions are all about the relationship with God this way. The second three petitions are all about relationship this way. Too often, we jump to our needs before we acknowledge God is God. We want our will more than His will. And so, as I just walk through this with you today, I want you to see a few things. First of all, when you should pray, you should start with praise and adoration. Praise and adoration. Notice that the prayer says, Our Father in heaven. This is the very first time in human history that people are taught that God is their father. Notice it says and say my father, he says our father. Our father. Not just your father less or your father or your father, but our father. Our father, where is he? He's in heaven. Our father which art in heaven. And Jesus is saying that, our, that God, our Father, is intimate. He is, he is a God who wants to know you. He's a God who wants a relationship with you. He's a God that you can come to. See, up to this point, they were calling him Yahweh. They were calling him Lord. They were calling him my Almighty God. They had all kinds of different names. But it seemed like there was a great separation between God and people. But Jesus comes and says, let me teach you how to pray. Let me teach you what to pray. Let me teach you who to pray to. You are praying to your heavenly father, your heavenly father who loves you, who cares about you. His name is to be hallowed. Now, the Bible tells us over in John chapter 1, verses 12 and 13, it says, Yet to all received him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent or human decision or husbands, but born of God. See, there's a a thought that people who aren't believers, they think that God is their father. God is not the father of all. He is actually the creator, but he becomes your father when you become adopted as his children. God wants you to receive him as your personal Lord and Savior. And when you receive him, you are born again. I remember the first time I went to the altar and I got saved. 1982 Easter Sunday. I didn't know how to pray, but I was invited to receive Christ into my life. And I remember kneeling down in a... The youth pastor who was just a volunteer guy came along behind me and prayed a prayer with me. He said, repeat after me. Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner. I think he prayed the the sinner's prayer with me. And I received Christ as my Savior. And I remember leaving the church and saying, God, you're with me now. You're in me now. And I began to realized that there was a spirit in me, the spirit of living God, and I had to begin to learn this language of prayer in my life. To all received him, he gave the right to become children of God. That's when you start praying our Father in heaven. But he also says, hallowed be your name. What does it mean to hallow the name of God? It means to bless, to worship, to praise you for all your works, for all the shines forth from them your almighty power, wisdom, guidance, justice, mercy, and truth. And it means help us, direct us in all of our living, what we think, say, and do so that your name will never be blasphemed because of us, but always honored and praised. God, today, my prayer is that you would be glorified that your name would be lifted up, that, that my life would be lived in such a way that it would be a reflection of who you are. May your name be holy. May your name be hallowed in everything that is said and done. May my attitude, may my actions glorify you today. Hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. May your reputation be good through my life. That's what you're praying when you're praying, hallowed be your name. I want you to be glorified. I want you to get all the glory and the honor. I don't want it to be about me. I want it to be about you, oh God. That changes your prayer life, doesn't it? Hallowed be your name. And then he goes on to say this, pray God's will. Notice what he says. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When you begin your prayer life and you begin to pray every day, you're praying not for your will to be done, not for your kingdom to be expanded, not for your agenda to happen, but you are praying, really, God, I want your kingdom to move. I want you to speak and to reign and to rule, not only in me, but in my family in my marriage, in my home, in the place I work. I want you to rule and reign in every area of my life. And that's really what your kingdom means. It means the rule and reign of God in you and this world. Well, that changes your prayer life, doesn't it? When you start praying for his will to be done, when you pray for his kingdom to come, when you pray that he would have his way in your life, And then he says, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Think about this. Heaven, earth. Heaven, where God reigns right now, wants to reign and rule on earth. How does heaven, God's reign and rule, God's kingdom, reign on earth? Does it happen through politics? Through elections? Maybe if we plant more trees. Maybe if we get rid of all of our gas cars and get electric cars. Maybe if we had economic freedom for every single human being, that would be the reign and rule of God. No. The reign and rule of God is when Jesus Christ is known acknowledge, and when people like you and I worship and love him with all of our heart. That's when his kingdom reigns. His kingdom reigns when he moves in such a way that his agenda, his will, his, his, uh, his, his desires are accomplished on earth as they are in heaven. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. May you rule and reign. How does God rule and reign? He rules and reigns in you. In you. God, I want to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness and all these other things will be added unto you. Jesus said that, didn't he? That's what it means. Not only that, here's a question. Do you... When you think about God's will, do you, do, you, do you think about it as a resignation or a relinquishment? I was thinking about this this week, and I was thinking about how could I illustrate this? A couple of weeks ago, I had a terrible toothache. And I called the dentist, and I said, man, I need to see the dentist right away. And they said, well, there's no appointments. Uh, maybe next week. And I got into an appointment for next week. It was actually right before Vacation Bible School was happening. And so I was just taking lots of ibuprofen. I mean, just ibuprofen. How many of you have had a toothache? You ever had a toothache? It's terrible, right? And I was like, oh, this is terrible. So finally get to the doctor, three o'clock in the afternoon on a Friday. I get there, I'm like, oh, they do it, you know, they take x-rays and stuff and they look at it. and, And the doctor comes back and says, okay, we've identified the tooth. We have identified the problem. You need a root canal. Great, could I just tell you, that was really exciting news for me. She says, I've got got good news for you. I said, good news? You just told me I need a root canal. She said, yes, the specialist down the road just had a cancellation and you can go get the root canal now. I was like, okay. Like, do I have to? Can I just take more pills and make the pain go away? No, the only way you're going to get rid of this long-term pain in your mouth is to have a root canal. I had never had a root canal. I had heard stories of root canals. This is what a root canal looks like, by the way. That's a tooth that has had a root canal. This is a tooth that does not have a root canal. It's not my tooth, by the way. It's Josh's tooth. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) But here's what I'm going to say. I knew that I needed a root canal. And I was driving over to this specialist. And I was just, it was like resignation. okay. I'm going to go do it. Okay, I don't want to do it. I don't desire to do it. I don't want to have a root canal. But ultimately, I need a root canal. I'm just going to just let them drill in my mouth. And you know what? I was miserable through the whole experience. But when you have relinquishment, see the difference between resignation and relinquishment is when you come to the place where you say, okay, God, this is your will for my life. I'm not going to resign myself just to do something I don't really want to do but Lord, I'm gonna relinquish my desires, my wants, my will, and I want you to have your will in my life. The burden is lifted. Resignation was, oh, God, just go and do it. And sometimes I think we approach God with this idea that we that he is this god in heaven and he just wants to <coughs> he wants us to do some <coughs> excuse me that we really don't want to do but we know that he's bigger than us and we know that we should do it so we just resign ourselves to do it and we grin and bear it and god is sad and broken because he wants his kingdom to come in you. Question I have Is there an area of your life that's calling for a relinquishment instead of resignation? Your kingdom come, not my kingdom. Your kingdom come, not my kingdom. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord God, bring me to the place where I embrace your will joyfully, willingly, with all my heart, full surrender. That's different then. Okay, I guess I've got to do it. He's bigger than me. I'm just going to resign myself. Grin and bear it. I obeyed you, Lord. I didn't want to. You're bigger than me, so okay, I did it. You know what the Lord does? He is grieved. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Wow, I got 3, 4 more to go. It ain't gonna happen. Number three, pray for your needs and the needs of others. Give us today our daily bread. A couple things I want you to see in this part of this petition. Notice he says, does not say give me today. Notice it says give us. He says give us today our daily bread. This is a prayer not of just my own personal needs, but it's a prayer that God says, I'm gonna take care of you less for today. Now be a good steward with it. I'll take care of you tomorrow, but today I'm giving you my provision. I, Terry, I, I want you to take what I'm given to you, it might be more than you need. But I not only want to take care of you, I want you to take care of you. I want you to take care of her. And I want you to take care of Jim over here. And I want you to take care of people in my way. See, I, I've given you some resources that are for today, for you, Bob. But it's not just for you, it's give us today our daily bread. Share something, Keith. Give it away. Don't just use it for yourself. Take care of your brothers and sisters that you work with. You see, I love what Proverbs says there. Keep falsehood and lies far from you. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. In other words, Lord, today's your day. Today, Lord God, thank you. I want your will to be done. I want your kingdom to reign. I am am surrendering completely to you. Now, Lord, today, would you give me what I need, not what I want? And would you give me enough that I could share with others who are also in need? And then, Lord, don't give me too much that I forget who you are. And don't give me too little that I have to go to find other places to get what I need the wrong way. Notice what it says. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? You know what I believe? I think sometimes prosperity is a greater curse than it is a blessing in the United States of America. You know why? When you have so much, you don't go back to God asking him to give you what you need anymore. You stop asking, you stop seeking, you stop finding. You no longer need the Lord when you have so much already. So maybe God says, yeah, I know you want that but I'm not gonna give it to you because I want you to depend upon me. See, give us today our daily bread He says, otherwise I may have too much and disown what you say, or I may become poor and steal, and so what? Dishonor your name of my God. In other words, you're not hollowing the name of the Lord anymore now. What are you doing? You're bringing dishonor to the Lord by using corrupt ways to take care of yourself. Either extreme is not good. Give us this day our daily bread. Number four and number five, I'm just going to briefly say them. Pray for forgiveness of your sins. Every day you should be saying, Lord God, is there any wicked way in me? Is there anything in my life that's not of you? Is there something, Lord, that I need forgiveness from, from you, O God? But don't stop just there, he says. He says, pray for forgiveness and your sins and the ability to forgive others because here's what he says forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors. Maybe your prayer life leads you to the place where you examine yourself and then you realize you've got some broken relationships that you need to go fix. And then, last but not least, the last one, worship team's gonna come. Pray for strength to live a holy life. He ends the prayer as, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Worship team, we're not going to sing. Just because I'm all over the map today. I want to conclude with this statement. The best way to learn to pray is not reading a book on prayer or hearing a teaching on prayer. The best way to learn to pray is to pray. So here's what I'd like you to do this week. I want you to set aside five to 10 minutes each day and I want you to take the Lord's model prayer and I want you to pray it, okay? Five to ten minutes at the beginning of each day. And then at lunchtime or dinnertime or break time, I want you to go back to the Lord's Prayer and pray it again. And I want you to do the most dangerous part of the prayer, which is the first three petitions. Hallowed your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. Before you get to your needs for the day, before you get to forgiving other people, before you get to temptations that you may be facing, I want you to make sure that the dangerous portion of that prayer where you are fully surrendered and you want him to get all the glory and you want his will in your life. I want you to do that from now until next Sunday. And I want God to do what the Lord said to me. I want him to raise your temperature of prayer in your life. And I want you to pray his prayer. Now you can extrapolate on that. You can stop at each phrase and go, okay God, now what does this mean for me? And personalize that section of the prayer so that it goes deeper than just reciting it. Now, is there anything wrong with reciting it? No. That's a good place to start. But take it one step further as you do it day after day after day. And let God do a work in you of bringing prayer as the language He wants to give to you to talk to the God Almighty. Amen? Amen. Stand with me, would you? God, thank you so much for your word today. Wasn't my best, best preaching effort, but Lord, I thank you, Lord, that your word is still your word. And I pray that you'll take this holy word and you'd help us to raise the temperature of prayer in our church, in our homes, in our personal lives. We thank you. In Jesus' name, and all of God's people said, amen. Amen. God bless you all.